Welcome back this week to this new episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Thanking everybody, as always, for the the downloads and sharing uh, music on the Facebook page and all that. And thank you for everybody who's joining up to the Facebook page. With me always is Jason. What's up, man? Brian, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, just started, uh, decided to start playing guitar to try good man. and good man. enhance my uh, bass playing non-skills. And You can <laughs> so make your own the, band. Yeah, right. I got the Squire starter pack, so I'm, I'm starting to do a little bit. Are you liking it? Yeah, well, the first, like, there's a, the Fender, Fender played, you know, it's like a, yeah, yeah. like a app Fender's download Fender's online thing. tutorial, and, yeah. And, uh, the first song, it just, it's like on one string on the, on the, uh, on the D string, but Satisfaction by the Stones. That, that's about as rock and roll as you can start out with. You, you get that riff down. It's on the A string, sorry. A string. The second from the bottom. Second, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I can play Satisfaction. <laughs> Does it start in A? Does it start with the string open, or what's it start? No, with? it starts on. Forgive me for not knowing my Which guitar. Which fret? Yeah. I'll tell you the, uh, the no. second. B. Second or, yeah, I think so. B, second's B. Third is C. Yeah, second and fourth and fifth frets. Okay, so it's in B. Okay, yeah. got it. All right. Yeah. Fourth and fifth. So that's uh, one, four, five. All right. Yeah. Blue shuffle. There we go. That would make yeah. sense. Is that the one, four, five? Yeah. Because the one is the B, then four, you go up two, and it's four, then the five, so one, four, five. And I've kind of understood the one, four, five before, but is that like, that's like, seems like the formula for like, if you know the one, four, five of any song, so. you should be like, Hey, you want to jam? No, I it's see one, that. Four, thinking it. I have to pull a guitar behind me and then I have to feel it to tell you that. But in my head, it sounds like one, four, yeah. five, but it de- it's definitely in B though. Yeah. And that's so, it. Yeah. In musical theory by Jason Johannes. Right. No. <laughs> so that's cool. That's cool. Um, <laughs> So if you're learning, there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube. So, um, well, we know our friend Andy Aldort has a bunch of stuff through Guitar World and also through True Fire, which also has a lot of teachers on with lessons for free. So subscribe to the True Fire channel. And there's also a guy who does stuff for Gibson. He, he goes by Marty Music. He does a lot of stuff for free and also on the Gibson um, page, too. So check both those out. Those are some really good options for free lessons and, and even learn songs, too. 
And so, like, Andy's got, like, a, a lessons on YouTube? Yeah, he does. So either through his guitar okay. world or through True Fire or just some of his own stuff. He's he's all over the place. So if you just do Andy Outdoor guitar lessons, there will be all sorts of stuff to show yeah. up. He even has stuff, too. It's like, play like Jimmy Page, play like Dwayne Allman. Like, so if you like the style of a certain person, right. he actually has some demonstrations of some basics of what they do. Right. Cool. He's great, man. I took I told you already offline that I took a slide guitar lesson with him for an hour a couple weeks ago. It was awesome, but I'm trying to build up to all the things he wanted me to be able to do before I take another one with him. It was a lot. Great. Cool. Very cool. All right. So what's our theme? What are we talking about this week, man? Well, I think to lead into our guest and who our guest is, I think we're going to talk a little bit about rock radio. You know, is there rock radio? What is it? Where's it going? Um, what do you think? Rock radio. <sighs> You know, I mean, the, the you know, the one guy that, you know, I think we're all familiar with is Eddie Trunk. Yeah. Um, he, Been around uh, forever, still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's more like in the in the in the metal kind of genre. Metal hard um, rock. Yeah. You know, um, there's a there's a, a podcast that's been around a long time. Um, uh called the classic metal show um those guys have been around for many many years um did you think rock radio do you think radio is dead oh radio itself yeah well yeah. you know i pretty much uh i'm pretty much for all intents and purposes i'm i haven't turned on fm radio for a long freaking time like either. a long time you know it's like hey can I, start my car i get my car and you know when i turn on the stereo like it, it, for some reason like the fm radio pops up first i like, stop it like, stop, <laughs> stop, stop it before you hear a commercial yeah um yeah i mean you know you're gonna hear you know the you know what is classic rock to us but i mean it's just as far as you know it's i i just look at it as like a really limited menu i mean they're not presenting us with with everything that's out there we know that for sure um so as far as fm radio i mean i don't i don't really know i mean i don't think you know well, uh, you just kind of answer the question you don't listen to it i don't really listen to it. it is pretty much a, i think the terrestrial fm format's pretty much dead it's the same classic rock songs that we've all heard a thousand times or the same top five pop 40 hits that that get played and not a whole lot else going on yeah well in 2014 in the late fall early winter i went out to california for 18 days and driving out there, I mean, honestly, between Fargo and Salt Lake City, it was just, and I was mostly going through Wyoming, which, so there was just like, all country much. music. Yeah. You know, and then so, and then even KLOS, I was in Ventura for a few days and KLOS out there, it was like the same thing as KJ 108 in Grand Forks, which is like 80 miles north like the of the same here. songs, yeah. So, yeah, well, it's all Clear Channel, so... Well, yeah, Clear Channel is 90% of the, the station, so they're all playing the same same format, or the same tunes. Yeah. I yeah. mean... Have you listened to any, like, uh, satellite radio? I've probably heard bits and pieces of it. I mean, the thing with satellite radio is there are a lot of channels, but they again, you're getting the same, a lot of the same stuff, not a lot of deep stuff. There is a deep tracks channel, but it, I mean, I, there's not really a lot of promotion of new stuff or, or variety. It's really kind of disappointing. I know there's like the outlaw country 
station there. I mean, I like I said, I've probably heard snippets. There, there's some there. niche stuff, and like Blackberry Smoke will come on Outlaw Country every once in a while, and just you know, there'll be. But it's not. I don't know. I just there's there for the stuff that I really listen to. There's not a lot going on. Like I'm, you know, you may listen to the '80s hair metal channel, which is good, or Lithium with '90s alternative rock. But it's just the same songs that you've always heard. They're not playing, you know, no deep cuts. They're pretty much still playing the hits and stuff. So it's it's kind of disappointing. There's uh, well, there's some people that have shows on there. I know Tom Petty used to have a show, and Chris Tom Robinson. Petty did. Chris Robinson has a show. Um. um Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine has one, and it's actually he does some some insane stuff on there too that you don't typically hear. But I mean, that's one hour a week or two hours a week, so it's just not. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I don't know how you find out about good stuff. I guess you have to stream it, um, listen to podcasts, because radio is not doing anybody any favors. The one thing I will say that I actually, even though I've pretty much sworn off FM radio on Sunday nights, the the radio station here, they syndicate. Alice Cooper's got a show. Oh, no kidding. I can't, okay. can't remember the name of it. Nights with Alice Cooper or something. And everything he plays is freaking great. Okay. Right like, on. I mean, and he's playing, like, I don't know why I would expect him to, like, only play, like, heavy stuff or shock rock. Like, he's playing stuff like the Yardbirds, and he's playing Sammy Hagar. Wow. And he's, he's playing, you know, he's played the Crows. He's, it's just, like, his musical taste is, like, really, really awesome. So. Nikki Six used to have one too. I don't know if he well, still the does. Sixth Sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. I used to listen to that a little bit. That was because it was on Friday nights here. But that's so. it. I mean, you're super limited too. So, like, the really the state of radio is not great. There is um out of the University of Dayton. Um, I used to live in Dayton, but there's uh one of the professors there has a radio show that I'll listen to on Tuesdays every once in a while, and he promotes a lot of local music and then mm-hmm. just some other like alt music or something too it's really good too he plays my band a lot that's why i like shout out to dr j at at wudr but um you know there's just not enough of that going on or or really to be able to find it and like i said with satellite radio you think some of that stuff would be more prevalent or or more you know taking a more chance or out of the box approach doesn't happen so even that's a disappointment i don't know if it's still going on and in Duluth, Minnesota, I used to live there for like five years. And on Saturdays, and I th- I'm pretty sure it was on the either the college radio station or the public radio station, college radio station. They had on the same day they had Beale Street Caravan, they had Blues Hour, they had The Grateful Dead, and Bob Dylan, like all nice. those four back to back to back. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, so I guess you know if you get to some NPR stations or some you know that's some local- probably. What- yeah yeah there's a really good npr station in yellow springs ohio which is outside of dayton getting closer to columbus the area where i'm at now too also the home of dave Chappelle, uh, yellow springs ohio but they've got a really cool station to wyso um that's also my band has performed live on and and we've been on and they play a lot of really good local stuff too but they have like a, a world music show and like I guess really that's probably your best venue to really hear new stuff or stuff out of the really the same mm-hmm. you know cycle they played for the last 34 right. years. What about Columbus? Is that just typical? Typical, FM? yeah. I mean, there's some. When I first when I lived in Columbus the first time after college in the late 90s, had a lot more variety like alt stations, heavy metal, rock. Now it's not quite as diverse there is still an alt station that's decent there's still kind of a harder rock station a classic rock but it is mostly clear channel channel stuff so the um the playlists are very limited because of that 
Do you remember, it was about like 25 years ago, and this was, a, I think, the precursor to Sirius and satellite radio, but there was something called DMX. Yeah. And we used to, back in the, back in the roommate days, you know, there were just so many channels on there. They were pretty good, man. I mean, they were really good. It was just music. There was no right. DJ or anything. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, man, again, I think YouTube's almost your radio stations and things now that you can pick your own playlist or you go to Spotify where somebody has a playlist or something like it's all right. streaming and streaming provides that diversity. Like, you know, I'm an Amazon subscriber and you go on the Amazon music and uh, it's like songs you may like or a playlist you may like and which sort of takes some of your listening habits. And I think that stuff's really great or specific channels you can listen to, but man, just radio format is, I just don't, I don't see it coming back. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, it's just really just controlled by people that, you know, just music to them as a commodity. It's corporate. It's yeah. right, right. They're trying to get ads and they want, you know, majority of the people want to listen to the same song they've heard a thousand times and are happy with that. Um, really, for people like us or probably people who listen to podcasts, again, your, your local or independent or, or NPR type stations are going to be where it's at. And we do know, Brian, that there are people who love blues music, southern rock music, the crows, uh, Blackberry Smoke, and things in trying to keep the radio format alive, or at least providing shows with some diversity and some type styles of music that you and I like, right? For sure, yeah, and that's a good segue into our guest, if you'd like to tell the listeners. It's almost like I planned that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm learning. We, Working with you, I'm starting to pick up on how to do these things and do some of this, you know, promotional work. Yeah, we're going to trick the listeners into thinking we do some show prep. <laughs> We do less as we go along. It's just like we do less as we go along because we get more comfortable and understand how each other works and how we support yeah. how we support the podcast. What are we talking about? No. <laughs> yeah, my notes pages seem to get less and less, at least yeah, outside right? of our our guests these days, which is a good thing. So who? So you want me to introduce who we're yes. speaking with this week? All right. Well, uh, and Brian, I do believe you found this gentleman through Facebook, perhaps correct? I believe so. That I, I think it might have been through the Blackberry Smoke Brothers and Sisters uh, fan Facebook group. I think that's probably how we uh, cross paths. I that, that sounds about right. Well, this gentleman, um, it's this is not quite an across the pond episode where we're speaking to somebody from Europe or the UK. This is somebody we're speaking from another country, but it happens to be Canada. He hosts a, a radio show um, around, I, I don't th know if it's University Rocket of Toronto, Rocket Up Radio, through a radio station out there that I think goes over the airwaves locally and then is also online. And you can listen to it through YouTube as well, too. So he's a rock fan. He's trying to keep it alive. He, he likes the type of music that we all do on this podcast. Also, has a he's been in bands, played on his music, and I think he's getting ready to kick out with a new group that we haven't. He won't tell us the name of or what's going on. But anyway, I'll quit I'll quit stalling. Our guest this week is Mr. Darren Flower from Rocket Up Radio. And uh, on that note, let's go to that interview right now. So everybody enjoy our chat with Darren Flowers.
welcome to our guest segment here. And as usual, Jason's going to tell the listeners who we have with us this week. Thank you, Brian. We are very excited this week to have founder, TV, radio show host, intergalactic rock star at Rocket Up Radio, founder teacher at Danny Lines Music and Art, and also a member of his own rock band, Mr. Darren Flower from Mississauga, Ontario. How you doing, Darren? Uh, Jason, Brian, you know, it's an honor to be a part of your show. I follow very closely what you guys do, and I love it. And uh, I love um, that you guys are spreading the message of blues, rock, and roll. Uh, I love the fact that Rock It Up loves you guys, and we work together, uh, sharing constantly, you know, cool music with each other. And we're sharing the same message, just operating on two different under two different names, but for the same purpose. You know, good dudes uh, sharing music from other musicians who have good hearts. That's great, man. Yep. I think the three of us are doing all the great radio, music promotion in blues and Southern rock in uh, North America. I yes, you got, you got Canada cover. We got the U.S., man. Yeah, but we work together. We can, you know, um, and there's a lot of great uh, blues rock DJs all over the place. So what I'm saying is that this is like the, the, maybe the first step in, a, you know, many different steps and, you know, can connect uh, the dots all over the place. That's what really excites me. I get very excited talking to uh, international rock DJs and sharing playlists and stuff like that. Who is this band? Who are these guys, Magnolia Bayou? Well, I know who they are. but other Right, people... but everybody should know who they are. Who is Nanda Blues Band from Italy? Oh, well, if you don't know, well, let me tell you. <laughs> so, so I think it's, 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 it's really exciting to um, work together with our international peeps. It's really exciting to um, actually chat in real time you know, with you guys, not just you know texting on Messenger or something like that. That's cool, too. That's very effective. But this is like the real life connection. If I could teleport out to Ohio right now, I would consider it. You know, but I'm not. Next, <laughs> I think we have more snow than you right now. We're getting six to nine inches until tomorrow. I thought that you guys down south would be getting more snow than the, the big igloo of uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. Darren, why don't, you, why don't we just start with like how you got into music? I'm going to assume getting into music came first before you started getting into the, the radio. End of it. Well, I'm going to try to make this a Cole's Notes because this could be a long-winded story. That's all right. We love <laughs> when I, when wait, I wait a minute. What did you call? What kind of notes did you call that? Oh, oh Cole's Notes? We we had a, we had Cliff's Notes, didn't we, Brian, in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah. So. Not that I ever read them. I always read all my assignments. Yeah. I never cheated. I think you guys say D uh, W I. We say D-U-I up here. So anyways, it doesn't really matter. Um. <laughs> Short version, when I was five years old, I was made to play piano, classical piano, from five to 14. I didn't have a say in it. Me and my sister, who was an A-plus singer, that's uh, she, um, just FYI, but uh, we were forced to get to music at a young age, and we hated it, man. It's, it's you know, it was a boring old classical music, which I love now. I think it's fantastic. But, you know, we we're five, six, seven, you know, can't appreciate that. It was boring. The teachers were some one of them were, was really nice, but just boring. The, the lesson plan was boring. I was, you know, we were, we were forced to do music. Uh, I was forced to do music from five to 14. But at the age of 12, when I started to, to become an, an adolescent child, I started loving rock music. I'll get into that a little bit later. But I was um, kind of forced to go into guitar class at 12, so private lessons at a local mall. And so, again, at 12, I'm just the right age, and I'm discovering rock and roll. 
And my first teacher was a young 22-year-old uh, cool dude, and he definitely knew his stuff. I'm Eric Sorry, I don't know if I'm a left-hand thing to work out here. But he knew his stuff. He was really cool. And very important, he didn't talk to me like a stupid little kid. Stuff that, as a teacher now, I always keep in mind with this first teacher. But he was, it was just so much fun. And uh, as I started developing as a guitar player, um, I started to really appreciate these lessons. So again, I had about seven, eight years of piano before I started playing guitar. But now I'm at the right age to discover rock and roll. I'm learning how to play these songs on the guitar, Nirvana, Smack Pumpkin, and Alice my favorite and all that kind of stuff and you know again having the right teacher was very important when he left i had other teachers who were pleasant they're okay um you know pretty skilled but they i don't know if they had the right personality like him i, I was devastated when i was maybe 13 years old a year into lessons and he left and um for greener pastures i don't know you know but i always kept him in my heart he meant he still to this day means so much to me you know so at uh, 12, I started playing guitar and I was into 90s music because that was the kind of music that, you know, um, was, you know, big ar around here, 12 years old, 1994. And yeah, I just, I don't know. When I was 12, I just started, played like two to three hours a day. And the magic of being so young and such a super fan, which sadly you'll never get again when you're like older, like we are now, it was just magic. Played for two, three hours a day. And it was a lot of fun. Yes. So, you know, I interesting. We just had Rob Cloris on, who's a great keyboard player, played with the Black Crows and Chris oh. Barron from Spin Doctors. He, awesome. You know, he, he started on classical piano and then he moved over to guitar and did some guitar stuff. So I'm going to ask you the question is like, how did learning classical music really help you with the guitar and, and rock music or did it? Well, that's a great question. Um, I would like to think, sometimes I think about that myself, and how did I make the transition? And I think, you know, seven or eight years of training with the piano and metronome and getting, you know, you know, working your fingers and learning about scales, something must have stuck in. But, and then also, again, I'm getting instructions, in the, uh, you know, about music just in a different instrument. So I'm learning more, and um, I think that maybe the foundation was there from all those years of playing to a metronome and doing scales and learning about that. Um, when I was learning scales mechanically, I was doing it with my fingers, but I didn't really understand what I was doing, which is the problem that I have with some of these um, Royal Conservatory um, teaching styles where you teach the kid how to be a robot and they can work their fingers and like a robot to a metronome. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like a computerized uh, tool to keep musicians in time. And yeah, that's the mechanical part. But if you don't understand what you're doing, you're just kind of nuts. So to transition, I, th I think that it gave me the foundation, you know, um, to go to guitar. But it was the right, I was the right age to learn music at 12 and rock music. And you can't say rock music without guitar. So, yeah. And perhaps I found the instrument that I was meant to play. Even though I played piano for years before I played a guitar, I felt like I took a guitar more. I, I'm more emotionally connected. I love playing piano, but nowhere near as, as much as I love playing guitar to this day. You know? And I, so I hope I answered your question in some random sure. way. You did. You did. And when you watch a rock band or listen to a rock band, are you drawn more to the, the guitar or the keyboard? Oh, 
all great questions. I always have to say guitar. I mean, I'm one of those guys in the concerts because I have this musical brain. Musician, I think musicians will always go to concerts and analyze things. I don't know if they'll admit this, whatever, but, you know, I, I, I want to know what kind of guitar tricks like, you know, Charlie Starr is using and maybe I can learn a thing or two, you know, uh, what is Warren doing or how are they doing this and stuff like that. So I'm, um, yeah, I listen, I, I would probably watch the guitar first, but then I'm also, you know, simultaneously trying to pick up on other things too, as well, you know, walking bass lines. Is there two part harmonies, three part harmonies, no harmonies? You know, um, what's what's going on? So, yeah, I'll pay attention to a lot of like, everything, is, but the guitar, it might be the first thing that draws me in. So when did you uh, get into your first band? When, when did that come about? And... Well, I was probably about 14 years old in high school. And uh, in elementary school, I actually didn't have too many friends. And it really wasn't a rock and roll kind of school. Yeah, well, there was some rock music, but I think the hip hop was also starting to make its presence felt. And by the time, oh, we- lots of snow, you know, a lot of informer in those days. Well, that's not classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and other things too. Tag team. Boom, there it is. You guys remember that obnoxious? Oh, song. I remember that when I was in college and high school in, in the nineties. We're going to try to forget that, but you know. Um, yeah, I guess when I get to high school, meeting more people, goal-oriented people. My first band was in grade nine. Uh, it wasn't very good. And it was like, I guess it was kind of like a, I guess to classify it, I unwittingly joined a pop-punk kind of band. And uh, funny thing enough, uh, some of the members of this first incarnation of any kind of band that we were in high school actually went on for a couple of years to become um, like, I guess, pop-punk um, stars in Canada. No lie. So some of the guys that I originally played in the band actually went on to bigger and better things. Not like so, some 41 or something, right? They're the Canadian punk band. Yeah, not as big, but maybe the second tier. Like they're, you know, but I have to give them credit. So but the first band I played in, it was probably more accurately described as, I don't know, pop punk grunge. I, I don't know. I, it, garbage is what I'll call it. Yeah, it wasn't very good. But <laughs> grade nine, grade nine. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, but my first serious band, I guess, uh, I met in high school, one of my best friends um, helped, uh, we formed the band called Stone River, and so I started this band and that I was in for about 13 years, and we, we, we were high school friends, you know, jamming around and, you know, and after high school, it was 2003 where we started putting th- together the pieces for unwittingly what would become a blues rock band. In my head, I thought we were going to be playing Alice in Chaney's kind of music, uh, trying to form a band at 18 years old. And then it morphed into something different and better. I'm glad that it, it, it went more blues rock because as much as I love metal and hard rock, it'll always be a part of me. I'm not as angry anymore as I once was. <laughs> I'm trying to mellow it. I go the opposite. And uh, <laughs> so at around 21 years old, I started to really, you know, get more friendly with um, classic rock. So my whole high school year, I would say my musical diet was five hours of metal and hard rock, Pantera, Alice in Chains, Typo Negative, all that stuff. I still love it. Uh, but, you know, um, and then maybe like two hours would be miscellaneous. 
where there'd be a little bit of black crows, a little bit of Zeppelin, like a little tiny pinch here and there. And um, so for a, a big part of my high school years, when I really got the chance to, you know, because you're a high school kid, you lie on your bed, you know, and uh, you listen to some tunes, whatever, when you have all this disposable time. I spent a lot of time listening to metal as a young man, an adolescent. But you'll love this story. I think I think you will. By 17, I started getting into the cross. At 14, um, for my birthday, a friend bought me uh, Amorica, which I mildly enjoy. A couple songs I really like, but it didn't really hit me yet. But then, when I was 17, I heard Southern Harmony and Musical Companion, and it blew my mind. Like it did with, I'm sure, a lot of people. Because mm-hmm. up until then, I did listen to a little bit of classic rock. I broke down my diet for you. and um, But again, very aggressive, like hard music, which re- really resonated with me at that time as a pissed-off teenager. But when I heard Black Crows, um, that album in particular, it, it changed my life, I would say. I, I told myself, you know what? I think this is the kind of music that you probably should be writing. Because truth be told, as much as I loved metal and I wanted to start a metal band, right, um, I never put in the time to become the super shredder uh, monster guitar player. I didn't want to sit with a metronome for two hours a day and just go dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, faster and faster like some like metal machine. It really wasn't in me to do that. So I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but um, when I was a teenager playing guitar, you know, because in some areas of my life, I'm very lazy. Um, I didn't do the, um, I, I probably should have put in more hours into the technique part of the side. But I spent a lot of time as a songwriter and as um, uh, to building uh, my ear up. Um, so in another completely uh, different um, part of music, I spent a lot of time there. So Black Crow, so um, I wanted to be a metal guitar player at, um, you know, for a period of time. But I have to acknowledge that I just really wasn't that good enough. To, and I, I wasn't going to sit there for three hours a day playing to a... Um, but the other thing is, is that these blues rock notes and scales that I was hearing was starting to, uh, you know, connect with me a little bit more, you know? And so, I'm sorry, I hope I'm not rambling on like I'm in a... <laughs> no, keep going, man. We good. love it. Okay. Ramble on. But, um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so at 17, <laughs> I found this music that might have been a little bit easier to play, but more importantly, and that's debatable too, but more importantly, the sounds were starting to connect with me more so. So I started to um, get more of the classic rock into me around 21. And by about 24, 25, I started to get less metally and stuff like that. And again, there's still a time and place for metal, but I mellowed out quite a bit. And what was important is that around 19 years old, I was kind of had like a, you know, I got like a fork in the road. Do I continue to try to do the metal thing or do I, you know, go to the classic rock revival uh, kind of thing? And I, I knew at that point that the harmonies made me feel better. Like it actually like, you know, metal, you know, it's depressing music. It's, it's amazing, but it can be very depressing. Nine Inch Nails. I don't know. Poison, <laughs> Winger. They're not very depressing. <laughs> well, no, well, she's only 17 sounds depressing. You know, <laughs> this day and age, it goes to get you to jail. That's illegal. Or maybe it is, depending on the state uh, you live in. I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, the happier music of blues rock, it, it, it wasn't just that, like, maybe the, like, uh, the technique was different and perhaps easier, which I don't know about that. But the notes, the way that it made me feel versus the, the metal, vibe, like it's got a good flow and vibe and you kind of ride those waves. Yeah, it's happier music. When you're pissed off and you're in a bad mood, why do you want to throw gasoline on the fire? It's like then you like, you know, you're well, but some people 
you know, like when you're, I was a teen, I felt, you know, listen to metal because I was upset. You know, it, it, it made me feel like I'm not alone. So I guess I can understand, you know. But for me, if I'm upset, I don't want the last thing I want to do is listen to metal because it's going to make me more upset. Mm -hmm. So classic rock and the harmonies and this, you know, you know, some of these note selections, very major esque scales that are used. They're very happy, happier sounding. You know, you listen to the Grateful Dead. It's pretty happy music for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it should affect your mood in a very positive way. Right. Which and I always have to find a way to keep my mind right. So, you know, you know, listen to happy music, happier thoughts and, you know, being constantly surrounded with happy thoughts, good people, good, cool activities. You know, it's, I got to be aware of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, your story it sounds very familiar when you get to the Southern Harmony, because that it happened to so many of us. Mm -hmm. it happened to me the same way. Like, you know, I'm a bit older than you. So my teenage years were in the mid 80s and. You know, Jason just made reference to some of those bands. Like, I was a huge rat, you know, rat round and round. I was a huge fan of them. But then, like, Tesla came around, and they're like, hey, they look like guys. They look like the guys that are changing oil down there at the gas station. You know, and then the second Cinderella record and some of the great white stuff. And then that just leads to the next thing. But, yeah, when, when Southern Harmony came out, it just, it just blew the doors wide open. And it's like... It just changes everything. I mean, so, yeah, that's a familiar story to, to me, to us. If you talk to any blues rocker um, and they tell you that they've never listened to that album, it almost, like, inspires your jaw to drop. It's like, what? And they're out there. Like, I know some blues rockers that have never listened to, um, you know, the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> what? How is this possible? What country mm -hmm. do you live in? You know, so... But that's that was a big one. If you ask any um, Crows fan, they might they might tell you that is the album. I will tell you that that is the album. But because I got Amorica first, I think you know um, I, I I have a little bit of a different connection to Amorica than I do with um, Southern Harmony. Mm -hmm. it's very I love the Crows. I will always love the Crows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Southern Harmony and Amorica are the two top albums for any Crows fan. That's like you know ninety percent of fans you're going to talk to that's what they're going to say one of those two albums but you know i mean is it i mean is this speculation or is there no like, no you know i've been oh. talking to a lot of people particularly through the state of america podcasts and stuff yeah. and there there is an odd person who says three snakes and one charm or something but it's usually southern harmony or morica take your money maker was a great album too that was a wonderful debut oh yeah i got mm -hmm. that's what i got into that's black Rose, man that album like right away just spoke to me and I was listening to the rats and the great whites and the guns and roses. And I heard that and it was like a light bulb went off. Cool. That's amazing. Uh, back. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So that, that was, that was a big turning point. And um, at 21, at about 2021, and remember I'm slowly phasing out the hard rock, the Caius's, the sound garden, always love that stuff. And uh, I've got Caius. Now that's a great callback right there, man. You don't hear that a lot, but what a cool band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I was slowly getting that out of my system. And at around 2021, I wanted to find bands and artists that people don't talk about as much. Like, you know, you know who the big boys of rock are, you know, the Rolling Stones and ACDC and Beatles and Zeppelin and Floyd. And that's great. But I wanted to, you know, find more hidden gems. So when I was 20, and I live in a suburb of Toronto, I didn't really know anything about the Almonds, 
if you ever heard a Skinner song on the radio, it's Free Bird or um, mm-hmm. Tuesday's Gone or Sweet Home Alabama. So I wanted to know more about this. Johnny Nedger Winter and, you know, such and such, uh, you know. And so I made a decision to try to um, find more bands like that and more cult bands. Into the password. Fuck off. I'm sorry. I, I accidentally swore. I'm getting hurt. That's okay. <laughs> you can swear. To enter my password. Anyway. We don't have any sponsors or anybody else. You're not. No, nobody's going to care. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So 21, I, I wanted to get more into the classic rock side, uh, side of things. So here's another big moment for me. Um, Edgar Winter. And to a lesser extent, my hero, Johnny Winter. So at 21 years old, I found this album. I knew nothing about it. I, I, Edgar Winter Group or Edgar Winter's White Trash. But I didn't know anything. But I found this album at a Best Buy of all places. I found Edgar Winter's White Trash, and it was a soul album that changed my life, man. And, you know, coming from such a negative background of the metal and hard rock, this was nothing but just a big ball of positivity. These songs are incredible. It's what Marcus, I mean, Marcus King, who is another prodigy, Edgar Winter, I believe, is a prodigy. That's the kind of stuff that I want to hear from Marcus King. Edgar, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Edgar Winter's White Trash. Oh, yeah. Album is phenomenal. It is incredible. I'll put that up against any Almonds album or Zeppelin. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So when I was twenty-one, I was trying to find all these uh, artists that you know people don't talk about as much and really you know get into them. And yeah, uh, that's what I've been focusing on. We recently had uh, Jane Lee Hooker on from New York City, yeah. and they too mentioned Johnny Winter. So it's, yeah. it's it's so cool to have someone else mention someone that's more a little more obscure like and, and this wasn't that long ago so it's cool to see it see a name come up again so recently after someone else mentioned them so that's cool like johnny nedgar winter mean like my four horsemen of classic rock sidebar my four horsemen of classic rock in my head is zeppelin no particular order either zeppelin almonds the winters humble pie done nice i can't listen to marshall tucker or rush or, you know, enjoy Grand Funk a little bit here and there. But I would have to say that, yeah, my four horsemen is what I just, yeah. And I always try to keep them in mind as a writer because that's, you know, to me, nothing says classic rock quite like Zeppelin. But then you talk about blues and then, you know, the almonds pop up and, you know, the winters to me. and Yeah. You know, it's so cool, too, that you're similar to us, that you seek out these bands that are lesser known. You know, like, you know, I could... All the bands that I'm listening to now, I mean, I know people who don't know who Blackberry Smoke is, and I'm like, how is that possible? Met one today on you know, let alone wow, these other bands that aren't as well known, and you know, but that's kind of cool to me. It's almost like being in a like having this enlightenment of you know. The thing is too, it's actually kind of cool. It actually is kind of cool to you know, as a band to have this rabid cult following and it gives you a position of power because blackberry smoke doesn't need the corporate backing of i don't know warner or some you know big shot you know they don't need that kind of stuff they don't need these execs that don't really care about the music they just care about the analytics the, the numbers you know they don't they don't need their funding and their meddling you know they have so much power in their hands and it's completely organic you know 
um, I suppose other than the, the sponsored ad here and there, which is commonplace, but like they have a wonderful following and, you know, well, they earned it the old fashioned way by touring and playing a lot of shows over the years. And, and like you said, organically, they've kind of grew that fan base because you still can't really hear them on a radio every once in a while. I think, um, outlaw country on Sirius may play them, but man, I, I you know, terrestrial radio, I have no idea if they're even being played. Well, I mean, you know, and that's the thing. So it's like, on one hand, I don't want Blackberry Smoke to become an obnoxious fad where, like, all these, like, non-believers are kind of then brainwashed into it. Like, I want, like, real fans of cool blues rock. But then at the same time, too, you know, maybe the outsiders should have a chance to at least listen and see if they like it. Yeah. I wish they were play on commercial radio because you know what? Rock radio really needs a band that you can believe in. And uh, Rival Sons, I like Blackberry Smoke a lot more, but I do respect Rival Sons. I enjoy yep. a few here and there. And um, so I could at least appreciate what they're trying to do. But I think most of the – it's actually cool to be an underground band and have that cult following that will sustain you because then if you can avoid the corporate um, environment – or the the backing of that you know the corporate money i would say god bless go for that nobody telling you how to you know write your songs monkey with your sound suggesting producers hit makers songwriters like all this garbage you know mm-hmm. there's so much power mm-hmm. in your hand when you're blackberry smoke or when you're steel woods mm-hmm. myers right you know? so i mean yeah i mean i don't know if you guys know of a band called my morning jacket Right, yeah. Yeah, out of Kentucky. Never get played on commercial radio, and nope. I'm okay with that. I'm not even the biggest fan, but, you know, they have a, a rabbit cult following. They don't need the radio, and that's the beauty of it. They don't need that. You know, Black Grey Smoke doesn't need the, the mm-hmm. radio. And I, I really, truly appreciate that. It's like a people's band right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, there's an interview, I can't remember from whom, but both Britt and uh, Charlie were on it. And the guy is asking about that, like, oh, you know, you've built your, your, you know, your band and your following and your fans brick by brick and with no support of FM radio. And they just, they just both go, well, our fans wouldn't care about that. You know, we they don't listen to FM radio, you know, so. Well, and you know what, but they can listen to what we do because we are going to play Blackberry Smoke. So, right. you know, a lot of cool, um, that's the best thing about like college radio and satellite radio because we all know commercial radio just plays the same 20 songs again and again, beats it to death. How many times do you have to hear Back in Black? It's a great song, but I, I would be content if I never hear it again in my life. Mm-hmm. You know? So commercial radio is going to play these same songs and beat it into people's heads, and they're going to play this homogenized, watered-down version of rock and roll, very distorted, not in a good way, version of rock and roll. But the real dudes... Guys like us three are going to play the straight up real deal. You know, monkeying around, right? Try to keep this PG. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> you know, so you want the you want the real rock. If you want real metal, if you want real country, if you want real rap, you're going to find this on um, on uh, on uh, college radio and internet radio. If you want the real anything, if you mm-hmm. want the down version, just for the masses to clap their hands to train seals and go to commercial radio. <laughs> you know, the times are changing, you know, and they should feel threatened. And I believe that they are. They so let's, let's get right into this rocket up radio. Like when did that start from when it was just a thought in your head to 
where it's at now and everything about that. We're very excited to hear all about that. Okay, so I can't talk about Rocket Up Radio without talking a little bit about Dandelion Music and Art. Okay, and there's a good story behind this. So when I was a younger man in a band called Stone River, I used to work a lot of retail. And then that work dried up around the recession of 2008, 2009. And I found myself working in really like like bad environments with bad people, um, like warehouse environments with former criminals and deadbeats and stuff like that. And I hit a professional rock bottom and at the time also a personal rock bottom. And I had a car crash in 2008, which really monkeyed up my back. So doing manual labor was not something that I could physically or emotionally continue at that point at 28 years old. I knew that while I was working in a truck, I'm thinking to myself, my back is half broken. I need to make a change now. This is 2010 when I was working manual labor. So um, I cooked up that, you know, maybe I should start teaching guitar. And trying to find a, a different way to earn money because I've not, I can't do this anymore. It's just bad all around, you know. So a couple months later, I cooked up this name, Rock It Up. And originally, I was going to start teaching only guitar lessons, which at the time felt like a good idea, but I realized it was a bad idea. More on that later. So I um, started teaching guitar under the name Rock It Up and slowly started to add um, piano as well, too, because I have a bit of a piano background. So this is uh, February 2011, 10 years ago now that Rock It Up um, was started, but in a little bit of a different way. So by October, I um, started teaching guitar for Rock It Up, technically, at the University of Toronto. So I was printing flyers. And um, the president of the University of Toronto Music Club, Mississauga Music Club, happened to be behind me and he's poking his head and looking what I'm doing, curious to know what I was doing and seeing what, you know, what I was printing. So he asked me if I wanted to volunteer teach guitar at this University of Toronto, so um, at the student center. So I went my first um, day to teach there because I needed to beef up my resume, too. I thought it would look good on it, yada, yada. So I went there and then my eyes popped because I realized there's a radio station there. And at the time, my band Stone River, which was on hiatus, we just got back together in 2011. And I thought, you know, this would be a good way to make friends and to network um, as, a, as a rock musician with other local rock musicians. And I can play their stuff on the radio, on my radio show and whatnot. So I, uh, I'm going to teach. I see this is a radio station. I inquire about it, filled out an application, and I got interviewed by the station manager who was probably easy eight years younger than me. And she actually told me that I was overqualified for the job, which is nice because most people look at me and assume I'm an idiot because I have long hair and tattoos or whatever. <laughs> now this girl is telling me that I'm overqualified. I'm like, Okay, well, whatever. And it's funny because I was originally going to call the show The Underdogs, you know, for the little guy who needs radio play. And then in turn, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? You have a company to build. Why don't you call this Rocket Up? So that's how the radio show came. So I, you know, Rocket Up started as musical uh, services and then the radio show came. But now here's the problem. I started a business and I started showing signs of what I would call schizophrenia. Because, you know, how I would tailor my image for, you know, I guess, you know, musical lessons and, you know, that kind of uh, thing is a little bit of a different kind of way as how I talk to, like, you know, the Rock It Up uh, friends and stuff like that, right? So Rock It Up um, was, uh, you know, a music school 
that travels to your home, and then it was a radio show. So after a while, I was always battling this in my head. And recently, as of last year, me and my wife, who's an A-plus art teacher and artist, cheap plug, we decided to rebrand that um, wing of Rock It Up to become Dandelion Music and Art. So Rock It Up morphed from a music school. It strictly became the radio side of me, the entertainment side of Darren Flower, because I didn't want to have that internal schizophrenia that I was battling for a while. So Rock It Up Radio is for the true rock fan who appreciates the 60s, 70s, and to a lesser extent, the 90s. I got a lot of love for the 90s. But uh, that's Dandelion, and that's, you know, I kind of want to keep that separate. I love that job. That's what pays the bills. But I, I love um, all my memories and all the lovely people that I met through Rock It Up. And, um, yeah. Oh, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, no, for sure. You were talking earlier before we started rolling about, you know, things that people wouldn't know about radio in certain terms or whatever. So if you wanted to get into that at all, um, that'd be great. Yeah, what do you want to hear about? About, um, like, the things that I've done, like, certain terminology? Yeah, sure. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I wish I could talk a little bit more about payola. Um, <laughs> working on that, you know, getting corrupt and having bands pay me uh, to play stuff. No, I don't do that. I don't know. As far as like language, like radio language, I, I don't really, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, if you want, I could talk about some of the fun stuff that I've dealt with and not so fun stuff. Sure. Um, Whatever you want to do, man. Yep. Okay. Well, again, originally I was going to call this the underdogs, and I caught myself doing something very stupid. So um, Rock It Up started, yeah, 10 years ago, and um, it took me a while, I think, um, before I started to become somewhat polished. I don't know if I'm 100% polished, even after all this time, but um, I think years of working retail helped prepare me to do this radio show and helped give me the gift of gab. And um, because I just had a lot of training, I had to be pleasant to people um, eight hours a day while handling money and handling customers. And it taught me a lot. Um, so every broadcast was, you know, um, the idea was to get a little bit better and better, learn the board, you know, and how to work it properly. And I don't have a technical brain. So normally there were usually there would be like the tag team would be me. And when I first started off the show, I had a wonderful co-host who's like a brother to me. Um, uh, we went to the same high school. His name is Matt Roberts. And he was always a technical guy. So we always had a peanut butter and jelly relationship, you know, where I was a little bit more entertainment heavy. And it's not that my uh, other co-host wasn't cool. He was He's a very fun guy. And he brings a lot of insight into the show. Maybe I was a little bit more of the gab. But to counter that, he was the technical guy because, I, again, I don't have the technical brain. So, you know, from day one, I tapped him on uh, the shoulder to be the co-host. And um, he was a co-host for 2011 to 2014, about three years. So I've had about three or four co-hosts, and they were all really good. Now, in another part of Ontario, Sarnia, which is very close to Detroit, Michigan. So Sarnia is in Ontario, about three and a half hours away from Toronto. He used to host a radio show for me called Rock It Up, um, he was under the banner, but he was hosting a, a different show, and um, he was also putting on live shows as well, too, 
So I just thought I'd mention uh, that. Um, but every episode was just get a little bit better, a little bit better. And when I became a DJ, I started getting some, you know, and actively trying to find some really good guests. So I think my first, okay, my first celebrity, for lack of a better term, interview was Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters. Nice, nice. So a, a friend of mine from New Jersey, like my first, I guess, fan uh, from like internet land uh, USA back in 2007, Christy, and we're good friends to the state. She lives in New Jersey. She was the administrator for this Rufus Huff uh, Facebook uh, page. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she was the one who hooked up an uh, interview with Greg Martin. So my first ever interview for Rock It Up was Greg Martin. Fun fact, my first ever like celebrity interview, which was for night school when I go uh, trying to graduate high school, was Dennis Dory from the Mamas and the Papas. So well before I had Rock It Up, well before I actually interviewed Dennis Dory. So my first ever interview at 17, and I feel like that kid from Almost Famous, you know, uh, I interviewed Dennis Doherty, the other guy in the Mamas and the Papas, because his uh, son went to the same high school with me, and we were in bands, and we were very chummy. You're no kidding. Yeah, very, very lovely man, very lovely man. And, um, yeah, so Greg, but before officially for the show, Greg Martin was my first um, musical celebrity interview, and that guy is a uh, incredible player, and more importantly, he's an incredible person, too. You know, he's he's a true hero to me. Um, not only as a musician, but how a man should be and conduct himself. And um, this huge rock star, I asked him politely to call at 105. He didn't call at 106. He didn't call at 107. He called pretty much 105 on the dot. And this guy, legend. Mm-hmm. He called a little college radio show when he was asked politely to do that. Just nothing but class. That's and awesome. Professional, reek of professionalism. And he's a wonderful role model for any um, any musician. I, that's what I think. Um, over the years, uh, I've had um, the opportunity to uh, interview uh, people from Blind Melon, the bass player Bla- uh, Brad Smith, who, again, is a wonderful player, wonderful person, wonderful person. I have a bit of a connection with uh, Blind Melon. My old band um, uh, did a record with a guitar player from Blind Melon, so I had a bit of a connection to them. Or I still do, I think. Um, then, you know, on Facebook land, you guys should hopefully know about this. There's actually cool rock stars that are actually on Facebook and are pretty, um, res- uh, they do respond to you, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if media. like, for example, I, I think you guys are friendly with uh, Blackstone Cherry. Uh, well, we had Chris on, we had Chris on the podcast, um, I we I don't have any of those guys as far as Facebook friends. They're there. But, I mean, I'd sure I'd reach out to them. That you know, I mean, they seem oh. like, you know, Kentucky keeps coming up so often in, in this music. Like it keeps coming up. I mean, like we when we talk to the band Southern Governor, right? You know, those guys you know mentioned Kentucky Headhunters, and of course the Georgia Thunderbolts. You know, Richard Young took them under under his guidance you know uh otis um yes. i didn't know about my morning jacket you know i didn't know they were from kentucky you know from kentucky. See, I, I didn't realize that you know i, I mean from kentucky so, kentucky yeah. keeps coming up man something about kentucky yeah yeah you know um there's there's a lot of great bands in a lot of states that you need to um really dig to, uh in and, and find out about you know so um 
there's some cool bands from Georgia too, and not just Blackberry Smoke. You know, Georgia um, Thunderbolts, which is a favorite of ours. And mine too. Those guys. It'll be interesting to see in five years. You know um, how big they get, and every day it seems to be growing. And you know, yeah. good for them. You know, young lads trying to do it right. And God bless. Right. So you mentioned Rufus Huff. It's and we have a mutual friend, uh, Jared England. Oh, uh, his uh, uh, Black Mountain Prophet. Now they don't go oh. out and play live, but I mean, he's made a couple of really good records, and he's based up in Kentucky too. You know, to be honest with you, I love that guy. And having earned his respect means the world to me because he is so ridiculously talented. As a vocalist, he's A+. As a guitar player, he's A+. And then as a hidden talent, I don't know if you know this, but I, I've uh, actually heard, because he was in the uh, uh, a different reincarnation of Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. You know who right, yeah. He was I on like an um, audio and he's tearing up the harmonica like he's mm -hmm. goddamn John Popper from Blues Traveler. Did yeah. you know that guy can do that? Uh, I didn't know he was that good on harmonica, but no, no, I didn't he, either. He, he was on an early episode. Stupid good. So me and Jared, we have a pretty good friendship. Right I like on. And um, lots of love and respect. And again, earning somebody like him and, you know, earning his respect, that means a lot to me. Respect mm -hmm. means a lot to me. So... Is your Rocket Up Radio, is that internet radio? Is it satellite? If you could tell us about that. Yeah, so we yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, it actually had a dial. So, it, you know, um, it was, what, 91.9 FM. So it actually, you know, is a, a legitimate college radio station. But um, it went through some changes over the last five years. Um, I won't get too heavy into details with this because I'd mm -hmm. probably bad news to air out you know dirty laundry but uh some of the man there was some bugs in the management and um it just really affected the station in such a negative way uh which stopped me from having phoners phone interviews there's some radio lingo for you phoners with great guests like rival sons i was supposed to have an interview with them gone and i've never seen the opportunity yet again but it'll happen but um so we, I, I don't know if they lost the license or something like that, but I'm still at the University of Toronto, and it, it's still recognized as University of Toronto, but it doesn't have an FM dial anymore. But it once did, but the signal was kind of weak. So, but to hear it now, it's exclusively online. But to be clear, you know, it is um, at the University of Toronto. It's not done in my basement or whatever. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. You see, no, I, I do this podcast from my basement. Well, then there's nothing. See, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. To be clear, I don't want to be uh, seen as snarky or whatever. <laughs> to be clear, yes, I'm at the University of Toronto, but doesn't matter because you could be at a basement. It's how do you push? That? How do you you know implement the marketing strategies to find your tribe, your listeners? Doesn't matter if you're in a basement or you're at this best studio. If you don't have promotion behind you, if you're not aware about promotion. It doesn't matter. I could be at this nice setup, and I am, and with great microphones and stuff, and I am. But it doesn't matter because it's on me to find my tribe, you know. Or I could be at the mm -hmm. best studio ever with, like, two people listening because I did nothing in the promotion department. So now I get to think about promotions as a radio DJ and as a musician as well, too. You know, you guys are, you know, hosting one hell of a podcast, but it's also about promotion because even though you're in a basement, you have the ability, and it's on you, to find your tribe, to get mm -hmm. worldwide listeners and stuff like that. And how are you going to do that? Well, you know what? I've actually found some really clever ideas that I'm willing to share with you, you know, off this recording, of course. 
And um, yeah, so, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're at the studio or in your basement or whatever. You know, that, that's the beauty of recording music and recording uh, podcasts and stuff like that. You can do an album. If you know how to work Pro Tools and you have the equipment and you have the knowledge, you can record, uh, you know, a rock album in your basement, right? Uh, Tyler Bright and the Shakedown did their last record that way. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe somebody in the band has an engineering background, you know. They've got a lot of equipment, know how to use it. Well, yeah, you can always rent great gear as well, too. You don't have to buy it. You can always rent it for one month or two months, and you'd be very good, time efficient in the studio and stuff like that. And, yeah, so if you, you know, I'm sure he's got a nice big basement with, like, you know, um, big ceilings for the drums. Like, I don't know. It's very interesting. Could be. Yeah. So what we what is the scene like there if there is a scene in Toronto musically from when you were young until now? Well, you know Canada, we have our favorites. I don't know if you guys know about who the Tragically Hip is. Have you have you heard of right, the Tragically? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think their lead singer uh, just died like not too long ago, right? Oh, five years ago. Oh, five years ago. Five, Man, t- time flies when you're in COVID lockdowns. Sure. And, you know, so there, um, you know, we have a couple really, um, you know, in the 90s, I really appreciated um, the 90s rock from Canada. Um, I'm not really so much into this, what's going on now. Um, I don't have too many um, uh, what I feel like musical peers, but I'm trying my best to find bands, you know, in my home province. You guys have states, we have provinces. Right. I'm in the province of Ontario, and one of my jobs as a blues rock musician is trying to and a radio show host, of course, too, is to trying to find cool rock bands of the similar kind of sound, good old fashioned rock and roll to connect with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to do shows with. What are those again? And to play on the radio as well, too. So there is, you know, a, a underground scene, um, but there's a lot of like modern rock stuff that's going on, you know, which I'm not really into. I'm going to I'm going to be very polite here. <laughs> um respectful i'm not really into modern rock i don't have to curse hey. i don't you know to battle i'm not into modern rock at all that's so, quite okay <laughs> yeah i'm into blues rock i'm into classic rock for the most part but yeah so but there you know that there's a band called sheepdogs and monster truck do you know right. them? right yeah yeah so, um i like monster truck they're i think they only have like one album or one ep right but they're pretty good I saw him open for Alice in Chains. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've got to be careful with what I say. Okay. <laughs> Behave, Darren. Um, hey, you know what? Music's very subjective. I like that they are, you know, intro- reintroducing the old style of rock to the masses. So at least they're on the radio, and maybe that will inspire the people who hear this to listen to ACDC and Black Sabbath. And same thing with um, the Sheepdogs. Um, I'm hoping that when people hear this kind of music, they'll be inspired to hear their heroes, the Guess Who, and whatever it is, CCR, mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm for. But um, there seems to be a lot of modern rock floating around. Um, I'm guessing in the States, well, and then, of course, there's the rap music. And mm-hmm. even 
rap standards. And I grew up with a lot of rap music. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a lot of friends into rap music. And so by default, I listened to a lot of rap music as well, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. But there seems to be a drop in quality across the board in rock and rap and stuff like that. And rap and EDM is very prevalent in, I think, both of our countries. Right. Mm-hmm. So blues rock seems like it's a very older demographic kind of thing, which I appreciate. You see, mm-hmm. think about this. If a 14-year-old listens to a Drake song, and they might think, like, it's amazing. In their mind, it is amazing. And you can't tell them otherwise. They're feeling really, very real feelings. The same way that maybe you'll feel, um, you know, when you listen to a Cry Love song or whatever. But, see, that kind of messaging, which it relates to uh, and is pu- pushed and marketed to a 14-year-old, these 14-year-olds eventually grow up. And they don't want to listen to Drake. And they don't want to listen to Avril Lavigne anymore. They want to listen to something more grown up. So some of the stuff, I think, you know, listen to Cardi B or whatever the hell. That's a good idea for five or six years until one day you're 25, 26, and you don't really care for that kind of messaging anymore, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think what we like is an older demographic, and I'm okay with that. People who've already made up their minds well before, I like this music, and this is what I, you know, love to listen to the most. I'm open to listen to other stuff, but this is what I like to listen to the most. You made a reference earlier about a town that's just uh, uh, closer to Detroit. So, you Started. spend any time near Detroit at all in there at all, or know what's going on down there nowadays? Or well, flirting with the idea, me and the wife flirting with the idea to see the legendary Steepwater band who are right on. Yeah. Um, in uh, Michigan. Be, uh, but we didn't want to monkey with my wife's uh, immigration. We were a little worried. She was a new immigrant in 2018. Mm-hmm. So 2018, we were flirting with the idea of catching up with the boys, who I've never met in real life, mind you. Neither have I. Relationship. Um, Leticia actually knows them and has done artwork for one of their recordings. Okay, right on. them in Spain a bunch of times, including with Mark Ford. Right, and, right. I won't get into. Yeah, and, I've heard this. Joe was on the first. He was the very first guest, and yeah, he told yeah. us all about that. Yeah, so guy. And so, <laughs> um, we were flirting with the idea of going to um, not Detroit but Michigan to go catch up with them. Another thing, before COVID, um, I met some very lovely people. I think I met you from uh, the Blackberry Smoke page, the fan probably, page. Probably, that's probably. Well, you know right? the name Ravi Iyer. Do you know my other brown brother? Um, who loves BBS and cool uh, Southern rock. And I crappy. think probably. It sounds familiar, yeah. I video chats with him, and I feel very connected to him. Also, because being brown, you know, that kind of thing, that we got the secret handshake thing going on. Right, right. right. I visited him, and, um, you know, I had talks uh, with, uh, you know, possibly going up there with the wife um, and, and meeting up. It would have been a nice road trip for me and her and to meet these mm. lovely people who are genuinely beautiful people. I know mm. that for a fact at this point. But then, you know, so I was supposed to go up to Michigan to go visit. I don't know if they were in Detroit, but maybe a suburb of Detroit. And, um, yeah. So, no, I have not been in Detroit, but I was supposed to be in Michigan a couple different times. So, what, what's the exact, where do we find your show? Like, on, on a website or the frequency? Like, the, what's the details on that? Well, what I try to push to people is... Go to the Facebook page or Instagram, mostly the Facebook page. That's where I operate mostly because there's just too many platforms out there and there's only so much time. And I don't know about you, if you're constantly bantering back and forth with like, you know, I hate the word fans. I don't want to feel like some big shot, but like, you know, good people. I don't know if you're commenting and commenting back and stuff like that. But like, 
I try to direct people to the Rocket Up Radio Facebook page and to, to check out um, the message that I have to push uh, over there. And if you go check that out, then you'll always see me posting about the radio show, which is on Saturdays. And there's always a link to www.cfreradio.ca. And if you click on that, Saturdays, roughly between 12.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. sharp, you will get a chance to listen to Rocket Up Radio live. Now, I'm not a technical person. I don't know how to podcast stuff, which is a damn shame. My co-host, who is also a band member, um, I don't know. I think maybe he might be burnt out from doing the whole radio thing at this point, which is cool. He was uh, my last co-host, which is my band member, was doing it for about three years. And so and there's a big commitment in time. And energy level as well, too. To be fair to anybody who does this job, you know you know what I'm talking about. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a commitment of time and energy. So I don't have the technical brain, but he did. So he would have been able to help me to do that. Um, so I really need to start podcasting. I, I realize I've been ducking and dodging this uh, simple task for years because I'm not very good technical uh, technically with anything. I have no technical expertise at all. Neither do I. <laughs> See, there you go. Brian says if he does it, you can do it. Well, yeah, I guess so. But I, I really need to, to learn how to do this kind of stuff. You know, it's a way of the future, right? So, you know, maybe I'm too young to be a, a true relic. I think the podcast thing is just easy for people because you can listen to it where and whenever you want to, unlike maybe some radio shows and things like that. And that's just uh, like the benefit. If you wake up at 3.30 in the morning because you ate that burrito at 7 o'clock last night, it's not sitting well, and you're up, and you decide that you want to go listen to something while you're on the can, you can check out shows, you can check out YouTube clips, you can do whatever you want. The yeah. convenience is there. It's actually super important to start podcasting at this point, and I know it. I'm just a very at, – at, at, at certain parts of my life, I'm a very lazy person, <laughs> very lazy. So it's just, I got I only so much energy for a bunch of different So that's the thing. I want to make this very clear. I'm a very serious musician. By default, I retired from music because I left my band in 2015. I toured with the same company that then Dirty Roses toured with in Europe. Wow, okay. Another so, great band, up-and-coming band. Sure. And so, um, just so you guys know this, but so what I'm telling you is that it takes a lot of effort to mm-hmm. build a business, Dandelion Music and Archie plug, Build a band. Can't tell you about the name just yet. Maybe off camera. Oh, because I was going to ask about that. So yeah. we can't know the name yet. <laughs> well, I, I, um, I, I think I sent Brian uh, something um, privately, uh, some old demos. But we're going to get ready to launch soon. And um, I hope you guys dig it. It'll be interesting. We have a female singer. So uh-huh. maybe a lot of uh, clips are done in a secret location in Mississauga, with always without a singer. But... <laughs> our female Paul Rogers, so brace yourself. Right on. Oh, female uh, Paul Rogers, nice. Yeah, my favorite rock singer is Steve Marriott, by the way. Funny enough, the daughter of Steve Marriott, Tanya, who lives in Windsor, right near Detroit, her favorite rock singer is actually Paul Rogers and not her old man. Wow. Wow. Uh, TJ from um, Georgia Thunderbolts, that's his favorite, too. Who? Which one? Uh, Paul Rogers. He loves Bad Company and Free, but he loves Paul Rogers the most. Oh, really? Well... You know, I have to say I love Humble Pie more than Grand Funk and Free and Bad Company. Humble Pie is so good, and I, I mentioned this in another podcast not too long ago, but they're so underrated, and more people do themselves well if they go out and listen to, to their catalog. Well, you know what? Real rockers know. The common person might know who Peter Frank 
is. Maybe you've uh, hummed. Well, everybody Peter. knows Peter Frampton, right? Because, you know, well, go back to that old Wayne's World yeah. joke. You know, if you grew up in the suburbs in the 80s, they gave you Frampton Comes Alive. But how many people might have heard Baby I Love Your Way and maybe only know that song? How many people knew a pre- know or currently know of Peter Frampton and did not know about Humble Pie? So listen to this. I knew of Peter Frampton years before I knew of Humble Pie. Mm-hmm. Or I heard of Humble Pie through Almost Famous, and I didn't realize Peter Frampton was a part of Humble Pie. Mm-hmm. And was a, not just a, like, you know, a bit player, he was like a, a, a very important member. You know, arguably the most important member at the time of formation. I had no idea. I just thought he was that guy who sings a couple of sappy love songs. And I, go, I love a good love song, by the way. Don't tell me. <laughs> Edit this out of the podcast. No, I'm <laughs> You know, uh, hey, don't, don't worry about not doing podcasts, brother. You're doing plenty of service with your radio, man. Well, That's... man, I'm so happy to chat with you. I'm having the best time, and I'm very honored to be on your show. Very honored. So and Now it's that part of the show I throw it over to Jason. For oh, that means, yeah, we're Western. getting towards the end. So I get yeah. the I get the fun stuff, like okay. the random Rubbing. whatever. Okay, so will I. Right, so you alluded to some interesting stories that you've had over the years. Which, why don't you give me one of the, like one of the craziest stories that you have, and you can definitely not use real names if you need to. As a broadcaster, as a musician, it's, as it, a... it's open, man. With the first, as soon as I said that question, the first thing that came to your mind. Well, I um I won't talk about names, but as a <laughs> casual fan i'll tell you a story as darren flower the casual fan of this big canadian band and i met the lead singer about 17 years ago when my band stone river was playing a little local show so this rock star canadian rock star has a bit of a name elsewhere in the world and to be fair he is a great musician maybe has a little too much of a jim morrison thing going on with the vocals that might be a clue to some people who really know what i'm uh, about their Canadian rock but I went up to him because I wanted to meet a musical celebrity you know because for fun right and I'm a little 21 year old kid little young Mark and uh, I wanted to meet a musical celebrity so I and I did like his band casually never bought an album but I, I did like the single so I'm like hey man I just wanted to say thank you for putting uh, help putting Canada on the map I really appreciate what you're doing for us and I really appreciate your music and he an almost verbatim in tone he was like uh, yeah well, it's my birthday, and now I'm going to go over here. Almost the same. Wow. Thing. And I thought to myself, if I was a fit, true fan of this band, that same night when I returned home, I would have thrown everything in the garbage. You know, had I got a tattoo of said band, I would have got it covered up. <laughs> I would have rubbed the wrong way. You can't be doing that stuff, especially these days. You mm-hmm. have to be sweet. This is not just um, the music. This is really the people business it's not just the music business, mm-hmm. the business really what it is you have mm-hmm. to play and you know that's the thing too because especially with these days and everybody now this is 2004 so phones on your uh cameras on your phones phones on your camera cameras on your phone wasn't readily available like it is now so you know you pull that stuff now that's going to be going uploaded to youtube in seconds and will help, you know, tarnish your reputation. Reputations take a lifetime to build and seconds to destroy. Right? So, from a fan standpoint, there was that. From a broadcasting standpoint, um, two of my biggest gems of interviews, where I got a chance to go onto the tour bus 
And in one case, I've uh, interviewed this other band mm, a couple times now. Maybe my two favorite interviews of all time is one with the, the legendary Charlie Starr. I throw that name, I throw that word legendary out quite a bit, but that's what he is. Charlie Starr is a legend, and I got a chance to interview him in 2017, which was a very important uh, moment in my life. And um, I interviewed, um, that was my first Blackberry Smoke concert in Buffalo, New York as well, too. So I drove from Ontario, Toronto-ish, Mississauga, which is yeah. a suburb of Toronto. To, that's not um, too far, is it? No, 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 two and a half hours. I do yeah. that my And I, it was for Blackberry Smoke. That was the closest I, I could get to see them because they, they never really came to Canada too, too much. You know, Windsor Casino or something like that. And so, yeah, so interviewing him was very important. But also, there's this doom metal band called Crowbar, and mm-hmm. the, in, um, a super group called Down with um, uh, right. Phil, Tara, Phil, um, the drummer from Crowbar, um, the singer from Corrosion of Conformity. Again, I have a big metal background, so having a, a chance to have interviewed Crowbar a couple times, and you know, I love these guys since I was twelve, so that meant a lot to me as, as well too. Getting a, those are probably like my two favorite interviews. And I have them documented on my uh, YouTube channel. My interview with Charlie Starr is up there. My interview with uh, Kirk Winstein from Crowbar Down is up there. And two heroes to me. And uh, beautiful people treated me very well. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I'm very lucky. I, I really feel like I'm a blessed person. Plug your YouTube channel. What, what's uh, How do we find it? YouTube channel. Uh, you find Rocket Up on YouTube? Good. So it's on the Rocket Up YouTube channel. <laughs> Good stuff over there. I did have a TV show locally in town. Uh, legitimately, that went into probably about 1.3 million people's homes. Doesn't mean that 1.3 million people watched it. But I did have a music channel for Rock It Up. I had two seasons um, uh, for the show. And you could learn a lot about the music uh, industry because I chat with uh, music professionals. And so you can find it on YouTube. The interview with Charlie Starr. Uh, there's an interview, it, it, that's up there, the interview with Paul Nelson, the guitar player for Johnny Winter, is up there. Uh, he's a, a beautiful person. Interview for Crowbar is up there. Um, there's a lot of interviews that are not up there that I've done in the past. Very sad that it's not documented, but yeah. Really? So I hope I haven't taken up too much of you guys' time. Oh, no, hey, we're always wide open. And again, thank you so much. You know, this is long overdue. Getting a chance to chat with you guys after literally months of you know, building our friendship online, we're now have taken this to the next level. So I guess the next step is one of these days, somehow, some way, I got to make it down to the States and shake you guys' hands. And Absolutely. I can't, yeah, I can't wait to have physical contact with people oh outside my. of my home. Literally. And this is the other thing. Last thing, I won't take up too much more of your time. Again, to politely remind people, I am a real musician, and I'm very lucky to have a lot of international friends through Rock It Up. But the only way I'm going to get a chance to actually meet people in real life, unless I take a plane to go out to Alabama or out to, you know, uh, I do have another friend in North Dakota, for example. Wow. Unless I do that, the only way I'm going to see people is if I get a chance to tour. So I'm going to do my damnedest to make uh, to, uh, to make a good contribution to rock and roll and get a good booking agent so I can shake your guys' hands and have a beer with you. This might be the only way, you right know. On. So before we shut down, Brian, I've got one last question for you, Darren. Who are a couple of your favorite new bands that are coming out right now? I, saw, I love talking about this. Okay, so um, pretty truthful person. My two favorite bands right now, 
my I'd say my two most important bands is Otis, and you guys are friendly with them, and Nanda Blues from Italy. And Brian, I just recently turned you on to these guys, I believe. Right. right. Probably two of my favorite, and mm-hmm. uh, I, that I wholeheartedly endorse. You know, because their music is beautiful, and I believe in them. And just, you know, it really raises the bar, you know. So I have high standards when it comes to mm-hmm. I'm kind of spoiled that way. And I don't think that either band will disappoint you. Boone from Otis has a beautiful voice, a beautiful voice. Uh, and there's some beautiful guitar playing. they got a couple really, like, you know, solid gems, songs, Let Your Love Shine Down and stuff like that. Um they're coming up on an episode here in about a month, a couple weeks, Brian. Oh, well, we're going to have both of them on. Yeah. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. So, yeah. And I bought Otis Coffee, too. I bought it from their from their um, website. I could probably brew a cup right now. <laughs> I could probably go for another Java. Um, but Nanda Blues, those guys really mean a lot to me, too. Mm-hmm. Really mean a lot. As people, too. I put on a charity show um, locally um, uh, a couple uh, about a year ago. December 2019, and raised $800 for a, a battered women's shelter in Mississauga. And, Good for uh, you. That's great. And the guys from Nanda Blues wanted to actually donate money um, and send money through a PayPal or something. And I didn't know how, I didn't have the technology, so I didn't accept their money. But that gesture meant a lot to me that they were actually going to donate like maybe even 50 bucks. That's just amazing that their heart was really speaking to me. So it was wonderful. They're wonderful people, wonderful band, and they really raise the bar, you know, and yeah, so. Is there anybody else that we haven't heard of, heard about, that you haven't heard us mention on the Facebook, on the podcast or Facebook group? Like, if I were to ask you, Darren, turn me on to a band that I haven't heard, that you think I probably haven't heard of, that we haven't heard of yet. Well, you know, a buddy from Alabama, of all places, Jeff Odom. You might know the name a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty good dude, actually. Fun and loving dude. He turned me on to a Canadian band from Vancouver called the Deep Sea Gypsies. And they are phenomenal. So I'll give them the two thumbs up, okay? Deep Sea oh, Gypsies. We got to write that down. Yeah, you definitely have to uh, write them down. I can put you guys in contact with them easily if you want me to. Okay. The Boogie Bombers from Italy is awesome. I believe you guys had Mike Ross from uh, UK, who also yep. has... We have. Great guy. Great, great yeah. artist. You know, so he's got some great music. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's some quality uh, stuff that's going on from Scotland and UK uh, right now. So, yeah, there's, there's some great stuff. Um, but off the top of my head, I would say check out Deep Sea Gypsies. I give them the nod of approval in the music department. And Boogie Bombers is interesting. I like them a lot, too. Um, Wedge from Germany. Um, I don't. They might be a little kind of a aggressive punky for you, you know. But I I really like them. But um, yeah, I'll go with Deep Sea Gypsies for you guys. From what I know about you guys, I'm gonna say Deep Sea Gypsies and Boogie Bombers and good. All right, night. right on. Well, we will it. check them out. Well, thank you so much, Darren, for coming on. We can't thank wait you. to have you on again and listen to your show and keep on with this relationship and everything you're doing for us is just so awesome and. Uh, we appreciate that, and we appreciate being part of this kind of community of people that are promoting this music that we think more people should be hearing. Society. We're, I, I'm in the middle of developing a secret handshake, too. So okay. So earn it. Okay. My click. Okay? All right. Well, <laughs> I'm ready. Right. And we're back, and thank you, everybody, for listening to that uh, interview again. Uh, <laughs> 
always an awesome chat. Always uh, a lot of uh, good stories, experiences, everything. Um, <laughs> I love the story about, uh, you know, anonymous rock star who's a douchebag. <laughs> Which we found out after we were recording. Yeah. And oh, we won't sure. repeat. Yeah, that's right. He, he told us. Uh, yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, you'll have to tell me after we get off here. I can't remember that. But, yeah, that was a good story. And uh, just, you know, Darren talking about, you know, uh, just his experience with being in a band and, and his take on, on you know, uh, what bands, you know, should do or need to do to kind of get noticed to, to, to uh, you know, attract people on stage and whatnot. And just his very uh, almost kind of fi- fi- uh, philosophical uh, look at, at the music business or what's left of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the philosophical look is or approach is, is right. It's a really good description because he, he almost sounds like one of those 60s dudes like um, – not shamans, but mystic, you know, like he hung out with the Rolling Stones or the Beatles and sort of led them to spiritual enlightenment. Almost. Yeah, I, I no, I totally picked up on that too, man. This dude's spiritual and this dude is like, you know, I, but I don't, you know, people, I guess you'd say hippie and I don't want to say that, make light of that, but. An enlightened you know, hippie. Yeah, he's an, he's very enlightened. Higher, very, higher yeah. level. Yeah, whatever that is called. Shaman-esque is very true. It's very true. Musical shaman. But his passion for music is, I mean, it comes through, right? He's very excited about it. He loves it. He's had music be part of his life from taking piano or guitar lessons in his youth to to trying to keep rock music alive with his his show or or even playing it himself. Yeah, and he talks about, like, you know, uh, piano lessons weren't necessarily a choice, but you know, it, obviously, I think you're going to get something out of that to you know, transfer to guitar and, and just to music in general. Yeah, it's solid foundation for, you know, understanding musical theory and playing other things. One thing I didn't get to ask, and if we get him on again, I want to talk to him about it. He, he mentioned that his sister has a, a fantastic singing voice, so I would have been curious to know if the two of them ever played music together and if that's been recorded anywhere. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, you know, uh, just what else can I say? It was just a great great conversation and uh you know um i just like you know he's and he's turned us on to some other bands too you know which is huge i mean i try to like find everything i can so to talk to somebody else who you know brings up a couple bands that 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 i hadn't heard of before you know the deep sea gypsies if you get a chance listen to them vancouver right vancouver yeah i dug the stuff that you posted on our facebook page and please Everybody go to the Facebook page. Um, we're getting a lot of really good posts of a lot of good music on there, a lot of participation. We love what you guys bring up. We want to see it. We want to hear it. Like, keep doing it. It's, it's been great. I think these last couple of weeks have really been good. Oh, getting better as we go, you know. So we've talked about this. So the only thing left to say is always remember, Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. And we'll see you next time. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 